From the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee, home of the greatest territory in wrestling history, it's Wrestling Talk with Mayor McCall. I'm your host, Willie B. As always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the founder, CEO, and promoter of this podcast. He's the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. Ladies and gentlemen, Mayor McCall. Willie B., thank you for that. Excellent, excellent introduction as always. Very nice ode to the superstar Billy Graham that just passed away. Rest in peace, superstar Billy Graham. Today, we have, a, we have a legendary referee known all over the world. He has called such matches as the Lawler versus Idol, Hair versus Hair match, Lawler versus Andy Kaufman, and was not absent from any major match or feud in the Memphis Territory. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome referee Jerry Calhoun. Yeah. Thank you for the introduction. I appreciate that. Appreciate you for being here, Jerry. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You were you were definitely a, a huge deal in in the Memphis territory. No no decisions were made, no three counts were made, or no titles changed hands without without your approval. So very very inter, integral piece of, of the puzzle in the Memphis territory, and we're very honored to have you this morning, sir. Well, thank you again. It's just a lot of memories, and uh, uh, I couldn't say enough about all the fun I had in uh, in the Memphis wrestling uh, for the so many years. I mean, they were just uh, it's unforgettable. Well, Jerry, tell us a little. Let's get started. Tell us a little bit. How did how did you get involved in the wrestling business? Well, I, I watched wrestling all my life, and then uh, me and Jerry happened to marry Jerry Lawler happened to marry his sister. So uh, I would go down up and down the road with him uh, on Friday nights. He lived in Hendersonville, Tennessee. So on Friday night, he'd come in. I'd be coming into town, and we we go to Tup- I go to Tupelo with him. And then Saturday, they'd have Jonesboro, Arkansas. I'd go to Jonesboro with him. Then Saturday night, he'd go drive back to Hendersonville. So uh, I would do that with him for months and months. And finally, one day on a Friday, going to Tupelo, he said, hey, you want a referee? And I'm thinking, referee? Referee what? Football, baseball, basketball? I said, no, wrestling. I said, man, I never thought of it, but I'd give it a try. So we went to uh, Tupelo that night. And uh, my first match was the main event, which was... Uh, Tojo Yamamoto, Jerry Jarrett against Jerry Lawler, Jim White, and Sam Bass as a manager. And so, needless to say, I've got my I got my experience on uh, in the job training. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, there was something something uh, wow, I'm just uh, unreal. I never thought it'd start like that, but man, what what a what a memory! So, so the king just stuck you in the ring. There was there was no formal training. There was no referee school. There was no like there is today wrestling school. They just said, "Hey, Jerry, you're just uh, you're going right to the ring, going right to the middle of it." Yeah, I did, and I just uh, like I said, it's on the job training, and that's how I got to, I guess, learn as much as I did in the business about just being in the ring. You still remember the outcome of that that first match you refed? Uh, who who went over? No, no. <laughs> you know what? There's so many matches I've refereed, and you know I can only remember so many. So it's uh, I couldn't remember that one. <laughs> that, was, that was back in 1979. I mean, 1976. So. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> dealing with so you and Lola, you were brother-in-laws. You you didn't um. You didn't. You weren't in high school together. You just you were you you met him through being his brother-in-law. No, actually, we did go to high school together. I mean, uh, I knew of him. He might knew of me because I played basketball at Treadwell, and uh, that's where we went, Treadwell High School. And uh, he was a year ahead of me. He graduated in '67. I graduated in '68. I knew of him, but we really didn't connect until we uh, met, started when we married sisters. And then from that point forward, we we you know went down and down the road together, and then we played softball together, played football together, so uh, had, a, had a lot of uh, <laughs> to plan together with uh, different activities. Gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, you, you, st- you said you started in 77, so very, very brief, a no. uh, couple short years. 70, 76. 76. Okay, so 76. So, wasn't that long till we, you know, we hit the year, you know, 1980. Tell us tell us what happened in 1980 during, you know, a, a pickup game of, of football with the boys. Well, we played football. I mean, this is tackle football. You know, you look back on that now and you said, why did we do it? But at the time, we just didn't think better. So uh, we were we were just waiting on the rest of the players to show up. So we, and we always played at 
the federal uh, alma mater, of course, over there is another place that we played just down the street where we saw we, we played by, behind the white church. But anyway, this particular time, it was uh, at Treadwell where we was playing football. And we was waiting on more players to show up, so we was basically about like on six on six. And I was like a safety, and Lawler did an end around, and he was going running down the, the field, and then I was going toward him. And I've never done this as long as we played football. I did a body block on him, and I, I don't know why I did that to this day. But I, and I did that. I did the body block, and his right foot stayed in the ground, and then I hit his right leg and broke both bones in his leg. You were just, and, you were just getting back at him for all the times he put his hands on you in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what's so ironic, and I don't know the, the, the odds on this, but, you know, like I said, we played softball, too. And we had a regular group that we always played softball together. Well, we was playing in Millington, Tennessee one night as a benefit. And uh, my shortstop, my shortstop, I was playing right center, and a ball was hit between us. The shortstop was coming going out, and I was coming in. And I said, I got it, I got it. Uh, but the, as I went, I went down on one knee, and the shortstop hit my knee and broke his leg. I broke the same bones as Lawler had, but it was a different leg. It was his left leg. I said, what's the odds on me breaking two legs and same breaks in, uh, in, you know, in a month or a couple, uh, a couple of years? It's unreal. You got a new moniker, a new gimmick, Jerry, the leg taker of Calhoun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling so if you Everybody stay away from me in football and softball after that, so you know. <laughs> so, so obviously by that time, you know you're a little you're a little bit different. You know Jerry Calhoun, you started in 1976, so you get a get a couple four years under your belt. You know you're you're rough and tough, Jerry Calhoun. You're out there throwing body blocks. You know. So. <laughs> you know, like I said, I never did it before, and I never did, never did it after. They're just unreal. So in 1980, when that happened with 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 the King, how how did that how did that conversation with with Jerry Jarrett go? <laughs> Actually, I never talked to him. He never said anything to me, and uh, and they were so mad at Lawler. He never said anything to Lawler because you know they always told Lawler, "Why are you doing that? You know, you shouldn't be doing it." And then uh, no, he never said one word to me about it. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I always figured yeah. you probably felt the brunt of that, like Jerry. Like, what a, oh. what are you doing? You just, you just killed the territory. Our, ca- our, 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 our cash man. He's, he's down for the count. Oh, I hated it. I mean, because you know that was his only livelihood. You know, uh, wrestling. So, yes, I hated that. Uh, and then, what saved us was Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart was able to, you know, work where he's getting all these wrestlers geared up to go and fight Lawler. And getting all of them come in, you know, and so uh, Jimmy Hart saved the territory at that time. So speaking of speaking of the 1980, where you know that Lawler was on the shelf due to the football game, uh, we know our brother, uh, handsome Jimbo from Mifo, he was Jerry Jarrett called him in to to help carry the territory and you know and do babyface duty that year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like handsome. I always thought the world of handsome. I mean. Uh, yeah, he's something else. He can get in there and he can he can speak. I mean, he's so funny. If he gets in the ring, gets the microphone in front of him, he he can talk forever. But back in the back, when you're around him, he's just so quiet and uh, reserved. But uh, a, a different story when the mic is in front of him. Yeah, that I've I've always uh, that's that's interesting. You shared that, Jerry, because I've always heard the same thing. Uh, we just yeah. had him. We had him on um, a, a little a little while ago, and. You know, he was t- he was saying how he's eighty years old, but you never, you man, you would never tell. He's still, he's still, you know, the boogie woogie man, uh, high octane. He's he he's he still got it. He's handsome. Jimmy is awesome, and we love him to death. And we're very thankful that we got an opportunity to, um, um, you know, work with him. And he has nothing nothing but great things to say about everybody in the territory. And you're. You're one of them, and he he loved him some Lance Russell, and he loved him some Jerry Calhoun as well. He he thanks the world of you, Jerry. Well, I thought the world of him too, and I'll tell you a little story real quick. That that uh, uh, we'd go up and down the road sometimes and ride together. And this one time we were going to, I believe it was Clarksdale, Mississippi. At that time we was going down uh, 61 when it used to be a two lane, all before Tunica hotels and all that started. So, uh, and what we used to do, the guys, we used to play cards. It was called casino. So, uh, me and him, would, I put my suitcase in between them. I was driving, and so we'd play cards when I'm driving. 
And so I was just at one, at one point, he, he got my cards, you know, and uh, I said, Dad, come on. And so I, I wasn't even paying attention where I was going. And unfortunately, I was very fortunate at that time, you know, playing cards and uh, not paying attention when you're driving. But eventually I got on the left side of the uh, road and instead of Jimmy Jimmy Ballard screaming, hey, get over, get over, he said, hey, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, brother, you need to get over. There's a car coming right at us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a that's a valuable lesson when you're running up and down the roads with handsome Jimmy playing cards. you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. That's it. Drive, he drive, told driving him the, if he hadn't told me. Driving in the wrong lane, Anson Jimmy saves saves the day. That is all. That is a great story. That's a great story. He did. Hey Jerry, imagine imagine the outcome of that. I mean, first you break Lawler's card, then you crash the car playing the cards with Anson Jimmy. I mean, oh, Jerry and Jerry might have had a conversation with that point. You know, I don't know. <laughs> well, if I, if, if I survived that, I would welcome the conversation. Right. <laughs> So in, in 1980, after, you know, do you think, um, I'm going to ask your opinion here, do you think that having Lawler out for the year and then with, with Jimmy Hart emerging to, to be who he was with the first family and, and then bringing handsome Jimmy, that maybe in the long run that might have saved the territory, that, that really prolonged things because when Lawler came back, it was a it was a big, big, big deal and you had the massive feud between him and Hart. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said again, Hart really saved the territory for the year Lawler was out. But uh, – of course, when Lawler, before, when he went out, he was a hill at the time. And so being off that year and then Hart just, you know, bashing Lawler the whole time for the year and got, hey, I got ready, somebody ready for you. And then uh, when Lawler comes back on that Monday night and he's going to fight the dream machine, well, you know, from that point forward, it was always Jimmy. Well, I've got somebody who's going to beat you. You know, it's going to be Austin out or it's going to be whoever, you know. And so he'd always, there'd always be these, bringing in these guys and going, take him out for good but uh i mean that, that, that yeah and after that i mean the, 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 the place started really booming as far as uh, attendance i mean uh, it, it was about a sellout every monday night i was going to hold that question for a little bit later but i, I guess I'm, I'm dying to ask because we it kind of it's a good segue to it so we just talked to shane russell and we talked to him about the incident where the the dream machine had put his put his hands on lance russell and it was more of a a more of a shoot rather than work it was something that really been you know unplanned so was there any times you know in, in, in on tv or the, the coliseum or anywhere in the territory where you were not expecting one of the guys to get physical with you put their hands on you and all of a sudden like you're you're taking a bump that you wouldn't that you wouldn't plan on taking you know what i can't think of one i mean uh uh, yeah, it's at, at that time when Lance was grabbed by the dream machine, I don't, Lance wasn't expecting that, and, uh, and the, uh, all the wrestlers are told that you don't you keep your hands off of Lance and Dave Brown, you don't touch them. So, uh, and they all of them knew better. So I guess dream machine just had a little lapse there and just grabbed Lance. But uh, and as far as me, uh, I can't remember anything. I mean, when I had to bump in the ring, you know. Like, it, it was uh, what happened, uh, but outside the ring, uh, I didn't have any issues. And, and that and that was that was an excellent point you made too. That was definitely a huge no-no to put your hands on Dave Brown or Lance Russell. Um, yes. So, but I guess you and Lance. Were, and, and like I said, like uh, Dave, you know, he still did the weatherman. He was still the weatherman of Channel. Well, it was at thirteen, and then eventually come on the Channel Five when Jared uh, promotion started. So, uh, you know, he had to keep that image, you know, so you don't want to go and hit Dave Brown or get him involved in any physical activity. I mean, that's just a no-no. Absolute. E excellent point, Jerry. Um, but I guess at the same time, you and Lance were in two totally separate categories. And, uh, you know, Lance is, Lance is calling the play-by-play -play action. He's the, he's the voice of Memphis Wrestling. But, hey, you're right there in the, the mix of everything. So it's probably more more expectedly that, that you would you would be take part of some physicalities and not Lance or Dave. Because you were, you were right, in, right in the middle of there. And some matches actually, you know, called for the – have to get physical like we've all seen where you know you you've, you've got knocked down and, and 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 drug out and you know the people you know different people attack the ring and and, and do things like that so part of your, i guess part of your job was just you know from time to time actually having to be physical well uh there were times too that uh i was in at the, the wrong place at the wrong time i guess you know so i know sometimes i i remember one time i was 
Dundee was fighting, I forget who, outside the ring. And I just happened to get too close to Dundee, and he went back to hit the, his opponent. And as he went back to hit him, his elbow hit me right in the face. You know, I mean, it was just like, knocked me out for a second. I mean, you know, I, I didn't even know where I was. <laughs> so, I mean, you have something like that that happens when, you know, you, you're unexpected when you get hit. And you just shouldn't be at the place where you are when you get hit. <laughs> And that, that's that, that's awesome. You said that, and the um, the adverse effect of that, I've you know I've watched many 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 videos over the years, and of, of course of Memphis wrestling and different clips and everything. And there was a, I, I can recall a I can recall a few times where that you were supposed to be taken out, and I don't think the guy actually was physical enough with you, so you kind of had to sell the you know the bump and, and land there probably a little bit longer than than expected or whatever so you you had to do that as well yeah uh, <laughs> whatever it takes right well <clears throat> so prior to the matches would you would you get with the boys and you would go over uh how things would go how, how, did, how did that how did that how did you pre- how did you prepare for the matches of the night let's say you had to go down to the coliseum on monday night how would you prepare as far as how the matches went? Or yeah, what? how the matches would go, what your role would be, the, the, did you go over finishes, any of those things? Yeah, well, yeah, we'd go over the finishes and what you know, whatever would have have to occur to get to the finish or whatever high spots would happen, to, you know, during the match. And, uh, you know, I, and I'll say this, I mean, when I first started back in the 70s, I mean, it was a no-no to even talk about what we're talking about today. I mean... You, you didn't do that and if you did some of those old time were just you know get you in a hole you'd wish you would never get that you couldn't get out of so I mean so uh, that's totally different in today's environment in wrestling versus you know way back when and you just uh, you, you protected the business speaking of that uh, I think you know the, talking about kayfabe and everything uh, I think you're you're in a little hot water for a brief time in 1977 because after a show, you let a baby face and heel ride in the same car with you. One being Paul Orndorff and the other being Mike Stark. Tell us about that. Well, me and Mike Stark would ride. I would always ride with Lawler whenever we go out of town. But if the Lawler wasn't in that town, then I'd ride with somebody else. And sometimes it'd be uh, Robert Gibson, or like I said, Jimmy Valiant. And this particular time, me and Mike Stark would ride together when, whenever we were in the same town. And it was Dyersburg, Tennessee. So we got there and we had our matches. And then right at the end, Paul Ordner, I said, hey, can you give me a ride? And I should have known better because he's a baby face. Mike Stark's the heel. So I said, oh, man. So I said, all right. So he gets in the car and we're going back home and I happened to stop at a red light and uh, some girls from the matches saw both wrestlers in the car you know made face heel and so that got back to Jerry Jarrett and he said fire all of them well that was on like a Thursday night so me and Lawler the following week were going to like Clarksdale Mississippi and when we got there he said oh you know you're, you're, all, you're, all, you're supposed to be fired you know that don't you I said no he said, nobody told me that. And he said, yeah, and he told me why. But eventually, uh, Jerry Jarrett let me go, you know, said, don't do it again. But uh, at that time, he fired both Mike Stark and Paul Ordor. So, but and they, I, I, I think eventually, eventually they come back. So, you know, so. And that goes to show you the stark, stark difference between how things were in the in the old days and how things yeah. are today. That the cafe where, you know, there, there was a sense of, of, of realism, protecting the business, not letting people in, that it made things much easier for fans to suspend, suspend disbelief, to enjoy the show, to really get invested in the bad guys and good guys. And I think, you know, truthfully, as a, I, I'm not a fan of modern wrestling, so I, I think because because precisely that, that is what's missing um, from today's product. Yeah. Uh, my understanding, when they would look at uh, Memphis wrestling back in the day and maybe get some ideas and use in the modern day wrestling. You should have went back to Jerry Jarrett just some promo style and been like, look, Jerry, those girls at the red light need to keep their nose out of our stinking business. We're just trying to go down the road and play a nice game of cards, you know? <laughs> well, there were just three of us. That'd be hard to do three. <laughs> i tell you what, real quick, me and I love Guy Coffee to death, and we was always uh, play cards. You know, we played casino. And if you ask me how to play it today, I can't tell you. 
But anyway, we would play, and then uh, we play every Monday night, every Saturday morning before TV, and uh, then you know before the wrestling started on Monday night. And there's a couple of times I'd be in the dressing room back with coffee, uh, playing cards, and all of a sudden I hear Eddie Marlin say, Calhoun, get in the ring. Where are you? And then all of a sudden I'm supposed to be in the ring, and I'm still playing cards. So that happened a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think that's all. That's awesome. You mentioned Guy Coffee. That's not a name that you just hear in everyday conversation. But Guy Coffee was a big, big, you know, player in Memphis wrestling. Uh, give us, give, give us a, you know, a good memory or a good Guy Coffee story. Well, that was one of them. Uh, uh, I'll say this. You know, Guy Coffee wore a wig, and uh, we was in one show. I can't remember what show where was that, and. Uh, some guy, Doc Coffee got in the ring. For, there was plans, so he got in the ring, and uh, and another wrestler, the 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 heel, the babyface got the heel, and held his hands behind him, and they told Coffee, he said, "Hit him, Coffee, hit him." So Coffee wound up and hit him, and his and his uh, wig went sort of sideways almost. So after <laughs> he hit him, he, he he got like his comb out or whatever, and started combing his hair to get it back where it was, you know. So. <laughs> but I, I, know, I thought I love cotton guy coffee. I thought the word of him is just so so uh, nice, extremely nice guy. He'd do anything for you. Matter of fact, he used to be the manager at the uh, Ellis Auditorium, you know. And lots of times when they would have uh, concerts there, he'd say, "Come on down, I get you in." So yeah, I'd enjoy that. I go down to the, uh, the Ellis Auditorium, see some concerts, some free concerts. I see. I had the same thing to offer in uh, Mid South Coliseum whenever they'd have concerts. Daryl May at the time was a manager, and he said he let me go in and uh, watch the concerts. Willie B and I and I's era was the start of the USWA through the through the Power Pro Wrestling. So I, I used to love to go to the matches and see Guy Coffee. Is my my memory of my my memory of Guy Coffee always seeing him in his green jacket. And yeah. I, I enjoy I enjoy talking to Guy Coffee, and I think that I think he was kind of fascinated by me. Um, not saying I'm anybody special, but because of my age, um, that somebody my age would you know take a liking to him and give him. I would always give him his props and make him feel good. You know, when when whenever I saw him, I treat him just like one of the boys. I'd be like, I'd get you know, I go over there, I'm like Guy Coffee, you know, and I'd I'd be like, How you doing? And talk to him, and he seemed to really. You know, take you know, take take a liking to that, and I think he appreciated, especially somebody my age, recognizing who he was. Well, yeah, he's extremely nice, and uh, uh, couldn't say enough great things about him. I mean, he was just matter of fact, he he would always sell the wrestlers' pictures, so he would be going to town to town just like the wrestlers were. So oh wow! He'd sell those pictures, yeah. So, so you said you were a fan growing up. So, who who were some of your wrestlers, your your favorite wrestlers when when you were when you were watching as a child, as a kid? You know, well, I can't say I had a favorite wrestler because I just uh, just would watch it on TV, and you know, you're, back then you're talking about the '60s and early '70s, you know. So, uh, I, I didn't really have a. I knew of them, but uh, and I thought it was outside, you know, really really floored when I got into business and I started meeting some of the wrestlers that I used to see on TV and I said wow it just blew me away and uh, uh, as far as one I mean of course back then it was Jackie Fargo and Tojo Yamamoto and I can't say enough good things about Tojo I love Tojo to death I mean he was just something I mean I just he, he was just outstanding I mean uh, uh, and then you had the uh, with the Dominoes. You had uh, other teams. I'm trying to think of. I'm, you know, as you get old, as I am, you know, you, you, sometimes you ask, "Well, what about? Tell me about so and so match." And I said, "I'm sorry, I don't remember." <laughs> you know, because I, I, I used to referee so many matches. You know, be on Monday night, and you know, I didn't go to Tuesday or go Louisville Tuesday or Wednesday Evansville, but then on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, sometimes we'd have spot shows, and whether we had the spot shows, and I'd go there. So. You know, you're talking about almost seven nights a week, you know, and then you uh, be asked about certain matches. Now, of course, certain uh, outstanding matches that people would remember, I would remember some of those. So, uh, but. So, you, you, people go back and watch, you know, all the famous clips of, of, of the famous feuds and all. Of course, you had Jerry Calhoun right in that mix. 
How did it work yeah. at the Coliseum? Were you were you pretty much saved for the big main event matches? Did you work some, you know, some mid cards along the way, or were you primarily just, you know, the the, the main event referee? No, I mean no. I've, I've refereed uh, the, the other matches, and me and the time Paul Morton or Frank Morale or whoever it might be. And then I would ref, referee, referee underneath matches plus the main event. So uh, I, I guess I'm just fortunate to be able to referee those main events. Uh, and I guess maybe they thought well, I had enough experience and knew what I was doing to put me in the main event. I don't know. So, uh, but but I was blessed to do that. Yeah, that's how your resume started off in Tupelo. You got right that main event, and the rest is history. <laughs> but I didn't know what I was doing then. <laughs> <laughs> what What was the as far as the, the the pecking order of refs or whatever? If if the if the legendary great Jerry Calhoun for some reason wasn't going to be available or, or for some reason couldn't couldn't be there, who who was next in line to for the for the big main event? Would that have been Frank Morrell? Well, at that time it'd be yeah, Paul Morton, Frank Morrell, and sometimes. Uh, uh, Thomas Marlin would come in where he lived in Hendersonville too, and he'd referee. So, uh, and I remember, as a matter of fact, back when I started, I, mean, I remember, like I said, I'm watching wrestlers. Uh, you know, before I got into business and knew of them, and then at that time, the referee was Bill Mack. So basically, he was the uh, one I re- I replaced him when I got into the business. You can always remember Lance Russell. He, you know, no matter what was going on, referee Jerry Calhoun, he always, you know, made a big deal about you. And I think that kind of set the trend for me as far as, far as knowing the, you know, well, that well, was a part- I, I, Let me stop you there. Normally who did that was Dave Brown. Okay. When he announced everybody, he would always say referee Jerry Calhoun. Okay, thank thank you very much for, not, for that. Not that Lance didn't do it some, but Dave would always do it when, when announced it, certainly. Absolutely, thank you, and thank thank you for that clarification. So I would always, so I would always hear that. So uh, you know, and they would make you just as important as you know the guys. It's always be like you know you definitely give the props. You've got referee Jerry Calhoun, and I kind of I kind of started that for me, I guess. And you know, going to other you know organizations and watching other wrestling, I would be uh, I would be sure to know know the ref's name. I remember. You know, as a kid watching wrestling, I remember one time hearing hearing my dad tell my mom, like, that boy's obsessed with it. He can tell you who the referee is and everything. I'm running around the house like, you know, I'd hear, hear you know, hear Jerry Calhoun and then and I'm like, hey, that's referee Nick Patrick in there, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's another good he's another good referee. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you recall when you're in the ring, maybe a time where there was just where you ever felt you know, endangered, or there was some heat, fans jumping in. Do you have any of those stories? Well, yeah, I don't know. if I, When I get in the ring and that happens, I don't feel endangered. I mean, because I've got uh, wrestlers in there to protect me because they're, they're the first time they, somehow, something like that happens, the wrestlers are going to just go right to them, you know. So, But a couple of times, I remember one was when uh, uh, Big Red and Ricky Morton before they detached it with uh, Robert against uh, Tojo and I think it was Sonny King. I, but I it might be wrong with that. But anyway, we was at the Monday Night Coliseum and then the, the Tojo and them were getting the heat on the baby faces and then lo and behold, here comes this guy just trying to get into the ring. So he just steps, gets one foot into the ring and then be and then Tojo helped him get in the ring after that and beat the living heck out of him. So I said, I said you, 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 first off, you know you you should never get in the ring first because if that happens, the wrestler's just going to just gravitate to you and just start to wear you out. And the same thing happened. I remember this when uh, used to be a cage match. This when uh, ooh, back in the when I first started with Lawler against Dundee, and that's when Mickey Poole was uh, managing Lawler. And during the cage match, during the match, here you get a fan, he jumps, he's going to get in the ring, and he's climbing the cage. So he, he climbs the cage and jumps into the ring. Well, needless to say, Lawler and Mickey Poole just get into him, and uh, they just wear him out. And then the police are outside the cage yelling at him, you know, throw him out, throw him out. And so Mickey Poole and Lawler pick him up and throw him over the cage where you think the, the police were right there thinking with their arms out they're going to try to break his fall 
Well, that wasn't the case. They moved <laughs> when he was coming down. His head hit that concrete, and you hear a big splat. You know, it's a fortunately he, he wasn't serious, but uh, <laughs> that's what that was just unreal. You know, climbing the cage to get into a ring. Well, it sounds like he probably had a little too much alcohol, and he and he maybe learned a very valuable lesson that night. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's and wild. you know, we, we have a lot of those, especially in spot shows. Sometimes they come into the ring, or uh, I know one time I was uh, going to be a t- in Senator Mississippi. Uh, Lawler was wrestling Jackie Fargo, and Lawler was, of course, the heel, and Jackie Fargo the babyface, and Lawler beat him. And of course, the people were irate about that, and they wanted to get at me. I said, oh my gosh, and didn't have any security, so I had to go from the ring to the back to the dressing room, and I said, how am I going to get through this people? So, God love him, I love Jackie Fargo too. He grabbed me around the, uh, put my, his arm around me and led me all the way to the back, you know, through the people. Of course, as I was going through them, they was hitting me and all that stuff, but if it wasn't for Jackie, I don't know what would happen. I always imagined that you took some major heat because you're the gatekeeper. Without you, like nothing, nothing happened. Without that three count, I mean, there was there was no finish, there was no title change, there was there was none of that. So really, everything was your fault, Jerry. You know, if you if you don't if that hand don't go down for that third time, I mean, nothing happened. So really, er, everything everything went through you. Well, that's true. I mean, you know. Uh, I, I remember seeing The Wrestler one time. If you ever watched The Wrestler, the, the movie, Absolutely, and one yes. of the scenes in that uh, I couldn't get over is that the, the, both the wrestlers were talking over the finish, and I'm thinking, well, how are you doing this? You're talking over the finish, and you don't have a referee there with you. So, in other words, when you're going over the finish, you got to have the referee involved. Exactly. Well, and there, there you go. That's some insight to how the to how things actually work compared to you know how it's portrayed on the on the big screen. Let, let's talk about right. refereeing now and refereeing then. We, you know, of course, with the current product and everything, we know there's different protocols and, and, and such that things come up. Um, I've noticed a lot of the a lot of the referees these days have earpieces. They're being talked to by the grill position or whoever else. And if somebody gets hurt, you know, they they have an X they they throw up and. So like what like for example what was a protocol you know back in the back of the mid south coliseum if somebody legitimately got hurt what how did how did you guys handle that or how did you handle that well basically if the guy got hurt either i would uh tell the the big face a hill go into the finish whatever that finish might be and then uh right after that i would be calling for help you know because just however he got hurt you know they they didn't just some uh uh, help out there because uh, you know when you get hurt like that you're not expecting it and then certainly you got to have somebody out there to help you as soon as possible. So if you needed help who who was the first person at ringside you would contact for that help? Who was your go-to? Well it would be whoever like if uh, uh, like say it was Lance or uh, whoever was there on a Monday night I would tell them hey we, we need uh, uh, you know medical help out here to help so and so you know and I would sort of let Lance know it, it was really real. It was a shoot, so get somebody out of here. And, and it'd be like that. I would let them know that, you know, <laughs> this guy's hurt and it's not uh, faking it. <laughs> oh, so I guess, I guess that, that one time at the Mid-South Coliseum, too, you had to inform everybody that uh, Andy Kaufman needed an ambulance and he wasn't getting up. But I know Jerry's like, he's, he's going back to you, be like, tell him to get up, tell him to get up. We're not paying for an ambulance. And, and you're like, Andy, you, you got to get up. We're not paying for it. And Andy says, well, I'll, I'll pay for the ambulance. Like, okay, lay there. <laughs> well, you got that story right. That's exactly what happened. So Randy paid for the ambulance, and uh, he stayed in the hospital to, I think it was maybe a couple of days, you know. So what was it like dealing, being in the ring with him? And were, were you in the ring when he would go through, uh, he would invite, I guess it was Foxy or or whatever uh, women would come in the ring? Were you were you the referee? I don't know if I refereed his matches uh, with women here. I could have, I just don't remember. But certainly most of the main events it was I, I did with him and Lawler. And then Lawler, and, uh, when Lawler had a partner, oh no, when Lawler would fight uh, Andy Kaufman and Jimmy Hart together, you know, in that old deal where they would fight one another, and then all of a sudden they, the Lawler, Hart's supposed to be uh, turning on uh, Kaufman, and he does, and then he's with. Uh, Lawler for a, a, night, a couple of weeks and you know Jimmy uh, Andy Kaufman gets a partner and so they're fighting one another and then of course Jimmy Hart turns on Lawler so, you know, so that, was, that was a good, uh, good thing going on then 
what what was everybody had a different opinion and something to say what what was your personal opinion about working with andy kaufman what what did, what did you think about andy well i, I like Andy. i mean but it, it, I, I tell him i put him in the same mode as uh jimmy Banyan. you put a mic in front of him and he just you know he does outstanding interview and he says what he needs to say well when you get back in the back he's so reserved you know he just stay off to himself and Unless you have something to say to him, you know, he mainly won't talk. I mean, he just, you know, he'll talk if you go talk to him. But uh, I know the, the night before the, him and Lawler had their match, we were, they were at my house that Sunday night going over what they was planning on doing, you know. So, and then uh, and Andy had his girlfriend at the time. And so they had everything planned. But so when, when the match started, you know, Andy was still, you know, he's, he still had that, like, you look at him and say, reservations, you know, but he knew that Lawler was going to take care of him. So uh, it all worked out great. I mean, that that's what put Memphis on the map. I mean, Memphis was on the map uh, already, but I should say, I'm, I don't know what we want to say, worldwide or what, but really, that really got focused on uh, Memphis when Lawler and Kaufman had that match. And when they were they appeared on the Dave Letterman show, that really really put the angle on a national spotlight and got national attention. And it, it's That's right. it's 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 funny you 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 said about going over the finish uh, with them because that was actually my next question. You know, when I think about kayfabe in Memphis, I mean, that's pretty much the height of it. How many people actually knew what the, what was really going on with, with, with Lawler and Kaufman? Because that seems to be very, very protected. Like at one point, Kaufman's family legitimately didn't, you know, didn't like Jerry because they really felt that what was going on was real. So how many people actually knew what was, what was going on in the territory? Uh... Well, you talking about as far as wrestlers, or, or well, far as far as Lawler and Kaufman, the the what the, the what was really going on? Because people, you know, it's known that people legitimately thought that they, these guys really hated each other. Well, I, I've actually well, heard Dutch Mantell say that that he, you know, obviously knowing Lawler, knowing everything about the business, but he 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 said I wasn't aware of what was going on. He goes, obviously, I know it's a work. Uh, but he said, but I, you know, I'm. No one's telling us what's going on with the angle. That's what I think. That's what we're asking. Was it just um, Lawler and Andy, and then you were brought in the fold? Was it the three of you that knew what would actually go on in the ring? Well, it's, it's sort of unusual. What happens is when you go over a match, like they were the main event, and you go over the match, and you know you, you go over what you're going to do, and then you go have it. And they're supposed to do what you're supposed to do in the match. Well, keep in mind. The wrestlers underneath that card, they're not hanging around to watch it and say, well, what's in the mind? Because the majority of them let out, out of town, mainly in Tennesseeville, uh, Tennessee. So what they're doing is going back home. So it's not like they, they don't stick around and unless they want to. Now, some might want to, but they want to do their match and, and go. So it's not like you got everybody together and said, uh, you know, y'all in a room and said, well, this is what uh, Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler are going to do. Gotcha, gotcha. The, basically, the production meeting wasn't open to the, the, the public locker room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically, when you have somebody uh, on the main event, then when they all stay there is when you have a battle royal. So <laughs> they have to do that. Uh, but, but again, they, they, they have their match, and then they want to get in their car and go home. Absolutely. We so we've talked about your your experience, Ref, and tell us about some of the the big matches you've been in over the years, and what 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 angles or matches really just you know stand stand out to you. I know you've had quite a few. What's when you think about the wrestling side of things, your involvement, what what jumps out at you? Gee, uh, you know, as as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm trying to remember. It's hard to remember, you know, very much. Very many, but uh, you know, I was fortunate to the to, to rest referee a lot of uh, main event, a lot of main events with Lawler against uh, you know Handsome Jimmy and Austin Idol and Funk Terry Funk and uh, you just name them. I mean, uh, they were all fantastic, especially him and Funk. I mean, they would uh, go at it, and you know that would when you watch those and, and, and like all the others, and, and especially Bill Dundee, they. They had their feud and they had their stipulations and just brought that into the fold as far as, you know, hair match, uh, Dundee's uh, wife's hair 
at stake, Cadillac at stake, you know, uh, and that, that was, that was the, the matches that Lawler and Dundee had were just uh, unreal. And they always had these stipulations and, uh, and then brought the people. I mean, and, and when they had the match, you would think they'd kill them one another. I mean, it was, it was unreal. They just had great matches. And not that the ones I mentioned didn't also have great matches, Lawler, especially when you have uh, Nick Bockwinkle and. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, you know, so others like that that were scientific. I mean, Lawler, and that's such a great thing about Lawler. He's one of the few, I mean, not the only one, but he's one of the few that could talk and wrestle. I mean, he could wrestle somebody that's never been in the ring before and basically has sometimes and just uh, make them shine. And, uh, you know, especially uh, if they didn't know what they were doing. He has so, the, uh, and that, the king. That's a, that's a knack for him. I mean, he's he just he's just fantastic. That's why he's the main event every, every month, every uh, Monday night or everywhere. Yeah, there, there's one there. Well, there's no part of the no part of the business that Lawler wasn't involved with that he didn't excel at, especially in the ring. Right. I mean, probably there's no probably he has the the greatest working punch in the history of the business. I mean, it is his his punches are, are, are legendary of how how incredible they are. I agree. I mean, I, I put his punches up there with everybody. I the mean, most it, realistic. Like a, oh yeah, and it's uh, it's inspective. Uh, when he's throwing those punches, the guys are just moving their head back and forth. Fortunately, they're selling them, you know, so it'd be different if they weren't selling them. Absolutely. I think that's something I didn't necessarily realize as a kid or at that time period of my, my life watching it, but now when I go back and watch some of those old tapes and some of that video footage, um, we're talking about Lawler's punches. Like, Eddie Gilbert mimics the punch. Jeff Jarrett mimics the punch. It looks like they just went through Lawler punch training 101. They're almost, you know, of course nobody nobody you know rates up there with a the king, but you know they 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 did a pretty pretty good job of, of throw, throwing the punch too. And it looks just, totally looks like Jerry Lawler had trained him on how to do that. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I, I, a story about Eddie Gilbert. I loved Eddie Gilbert to death. I mean, uh, hot stuff. He, he was he he. You would think, you know, Tommy Gilbert being his dad, that he was going to follow the mimics of Tommy's dad. But no, that wasn't the case. He followed what Jerry Lawler did. Everything Jerry Lawler did, he basically did it, you know, just like Lawler, throwing the punches, throwing fire. So that was very, very interesting that he followed uh, Lawler and not his dad. So, and he'd uh, come out there and say, Lawler, let me tell you something. Eddie Gilbert, I'm the new king of Memphis. Your time's over, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I used to we used to be in the dress room and I always say, "Hey man, give me a Lawler impression." And then <laughs> he could do it to the T. That was so funny. Yeah, and Eddie Gilbert, one of the I mean, it gets talked about his mind for the business. That had, had he had he lived, that he probably would be one of the big the big bookers or producers as they call them today, in, in the world of, of professional wrestling. I agree with that. He had no wrestling mind. Behind the scenes, what was what was Eddie and Jerry's relationship like? Were they they pretty chumly, pretty tight? Just did business together? Yeah. Were there any jealousy there, or how, how what no. was their real life relationship like? No, they had a wonderful relationship. I didn't see any jealousy between the two of them, not at all. Because uh, Eddie Gilbert looked up to uh, Jerry Lawler, so it wasn't going to be any jealousy on that at all. And, and, and you hit on a great I mean, point. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I mean, whatever, his wrestling was mimicked after Lawler, basically, you know, so that's how much he's respected and uh, thought the world of Lawler. And, and to reiterate what you said as well, with Tommy Gilbert being his father, that's a huge compliment for him to take anything after and use it after Jerry Lawler and mimic some of his work and some, yeah. some of his style. So that says a lot about the King, and I guess that does say a lot about the closeness of the relationship that he, that Gilbert would have the respect to Lawler to, you know, follow in the footsteps. That's right. And, I, and the Gilberts, too. I love the world of all of them, Tommy and Doug, so... Uh... That's a, a great wrestling family. It's crazy how much wrestling has has families. That it's it's generational. Jarrett's the Gilberts. Um, it, you know, even, heck, even Lawler had his first cousin Wayne Ferris, the Honky Tonk Man. I mean, it's 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 just it's it's it's. I guess it's like anything in life. But you have a um, it, it's a very much a family business with second, third generation wrestlers. That's right. You know, yeah. And, and Wayne Wayne Ferris, his cousin, he wrestled here. For yes. The, for the, longest and then then eventually went up to New York for a, being a honky-tonk man. 
The greatest intercontinental champion of all time. <laughs> Shake, rattle, and roll, baby. Shake, rattle, and roll. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've listened to you know Bill Dundee's interviews as long as I can remember. So I've seen a lot of his work. Um, what, what was Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee's relationship like behind the scenes? From your point well, of view. Well, they, they respected one another, you know, that uh, they got along. There's no think of rivalry. But, I mean, you, you know, I, uh, I don't know. So, I have to say some wrestlers, you know, get – they got along. <laughs> I don't know how to describe they were They were good friends. I mean, as a matter of fact, not too long ago, I got a couple of weeks ago, they met together and went to get something to eat and had lunch together. I saw that, and I think I saw that picture going around on Facebook. I think Rex Luther joined them as well. Yeah. Speaking speaking so, of that, I, I see stuff going around uh, on Facebook quite often too. You uh, you and the, you and the King, y'all have lunch and everything quite quite often. Or I know before Jerry's you know health issues, I know y'all I know y'all were y'all. You still spend a lot of time with Jerry, correct? Yeah, as much as I can. So we uh yeah on Thursdays we were always uh, get together a bunch of us uh, uh, and Dave Brown just Dave me Dave Jerry and some other celebrities or you know maybe sometimes we'd have uh, this is this week we had Ryan Silverfield the coach of uh, Memphis join us and then uh, we had the mayor join us mayor of uh, Memphis join us at, uh, at one point and uh, so we have uh, you know the various people in the public eye that joined us so that's very interesting very unique and we love it Rest in peace, Brian Christopher. Did did Brian ever join y'all for anything? To, you know, was, let's talk about no, some, no. let's talk about some memories of Brian. No, that you know, this is well, this started way after Brian passed away. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, matter of fact, I remember they were just little Brian and Kevin, me and my wife Paula at the time was uh, Kay's sister, and that was Jerry's wife when. Uh, when she had to go, Kay had to go somewhere, we'd always keep babysit the kids, you know, we'd babysit Brian and Kevin. And it'd be so funny because they'd always suck on my nose. And at that one point, they always called me Uncle Nose instead of my name. <laughs> so, uh, but, you but had Brian, banana nose yeah, and Brian, Uncle Nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Brian, yeah, he's, he's a heck of a wrestler. I mean, you know, he was, uh, uh, had his moves and he, he just had them down pat. And of course, it showed once he left here and went to the WWF at the time, and uh, him and Hottie Scott, Scotty, two Hottie got together, and uh, they formed a heck of a tag team. So uh, 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 I always remember Brian when I'd come out uh, on Monday nights, I'd look at him and wave at him because he'd always be on front row, you know, little did he know that later in life he would be part of it and a big part of it when he got into WWF. Yeah, and to reiterate, usually when we open the show, one of my, when I introduce the mayor here, I call him the unofficial president of the Brian and Christopher fan club. And it's true, uh-huh. as, as John will, Mayor will tell you here, that his favorite his favorite all-time wrestler is Brian Christopher. So, Oh, we're good. We're yeah. good. That's a good one. Yeah. This is, and, and absolutely, thank you. Thank you for bringing and, that and, up. And, 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 he can have, and he can interview just like Jerry, uh, so he's a good interview. I think he's underrated. I don't, I don't, I think a lot of times from our perspective as fans that because he was the King's son and people kind of knew that around here, you know, we growing up in Memphis, but I, I just don't think that he gets the, the recognition that he deserves and just how talented he was incredible on the mic. He was a natural heel. And quite frankly, he was, he was, he was superior in the ring. He was, he was, un, he was unreal. He was just, he was good all around. I would, I would agree with what you said, definitely. Uh, especially, we came out the gate on our very first episode. You know, I, I went on record and told the world my, I think the greatest professional wrestler of all time is Jerry the King Lawler. There's nobody in my book that's better than Jerry the King Lawler, but my favorite wrestler of all time is, is Brian Christopher. Um, wow. and, and, and like, you got two, you got two top names there. Right? That's very good. Well, it's like with you know Jerry being the greatest of all time, but with Brian Christopher, it's almost like a two for one deal. You get Brian being Brian, but Brian's Jerry made all over again, and for our generation. I mean, if you watch some of those video packages, I mean, Brian pretty much can mimic Jerry in a, especially a heel interview. Some of the same things that Brian would say, you can look back and Jerry would have phrased it just like that, or he 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 come off with that 
that you know that intensity or that that quick that quick-witted humor or just or or you know just play that play that heel to a T. like you know yeah. one of the things that probably jumps out at me i can see i can see both of them in a heel form coming out there and talking to dave brown and be like dave do, do you see eddie marlin around here running around anywhere today well, no, well, no, Brian. Eddie, Eddie's not here. You, you know why he's not here, Dave? Because he's fired. Because he's sitting at home. Because he's a senile old fossil. And if you mess with me, Dave, you're going to be fired too. Yeah. So it's <laughs> classic, classic, classic. Well, um, Jerry, I'm going to throw out some names to you, and just want to hear just first thing that comes to your mind. Nothing, you know, nothing. It's nothing, nothing serious. Just going to throw out some names, and you just tell me the first thing that pops up. We'll start off with Handsome Jimmy. Well, what else can I say? What I said earlier. Just a good, good guy, Bill Dundee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Good guy. I like Bill. You have any memories of Randy Savage? Oh, yeah. I like a lot of memories of Randy. I refereed a lot of his matches. He's a heck of a wrestler, and, and he loved to jump off the top rope. <laughs> let, let, me, let me let me jump sometimes in. I used to, sometimes that used to be uh, disqualification, you know. So it's uh. uh Dad would manage him, so his dad would have to get my uh, attention so Randy could jump off the top rope. But he loved that top rope. I, I just want to jump in and do a quick question before Willie goes to the the next next individual. But uh, speaking of Randy Savage, did did him and Bill Dundee have have some heat or have some issues? You know, working together in the territory. I've always heard you know different stories from everyone. I I don't think that that was quite the greatest working relationship, was it? You know what? I'll be honest with you. If it, if they did, I don't remember. I mean, I really don't. So, I know at one point, you know, before Randy Savage started in, the, in, the, in this territory, that he was had a territory in Kentucky. So he was trying to get that off the ground, and at the time, you know, and that was a competition between Tennessee and, and or Jerry Jerry Promotions and his. So, but eventually. Jerry was smart and got him into uh, our territory, and then it, it, it boomed, like all the other uh, wrestlers that got there. Okay, what are your do you what are your memories of Joe LaDuke? Oh, I like Joe LaDuke. I mean, he was uh, he was a he was a character. But he, the one thing I do remember, if you ever watched the wrestling when he was wrestling Lawler and he's on TV, and he had the act. So he took that axe and he's going to cut his arm, in which he did. Well, that was uh, impromptu as far as, you know, that wasn't planned. I mean, that's something he just did. Well, Jerry Jarrett found out about it. I don't think he was at TV that day. And uh, told Joe LaDuke, he said, if you ever do that again, I'm going to fire you. So evidently, Jerry Jarrett wasn't a fan of him cutting his arm like he did. We, we just, he was strong. We just, he was strong. I mean, he uh, one match with Lawler at the at the Coliseum Monday night, he picked him up, Lawler, up over his head, which is, you know, like picking up a feather for him, I guess, and threw him, threw him over the top rope. And unfortunately, when he threw him over the top rope toward the table where Lance was uh, announcing, where Lawler only didn't make it all the way, you know, to the floor, his leg hit part of the table. And, man, it messed up his leg for a while. I mean, <laughs> that, that was just... Uh, something unexpected you know hopefully you, you you hit the floor but half his half his body hit that table so he was in pain for a while thank you for sharing that that was that was great um yeah. we just talked to shane russell and, and shane uh said the same thing you just said he said lance did not like it when joe LaDuke cut his arm he, 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 he that, that did not so apparently with what you're saying and what shane said that did not go over well with anyone yeah yeah, that's uh, impromptu on, uh, I think, uh, well, Taylor Duke knew it. <laughs> Nobody else did. <laughs> but I guess stuff like that happens, and at the time, you know, uh, you know, people are not happy about it, and, but but it's still one of those things that, it, you know, all these years later, people still talk about it, though. Yeah, and then again, how many uh, shows did you have back then that went, for wrestling shows that went for an hour and a half and live? Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, that 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 doesn't get talked about enough. Just how incredible it was to do that every Saturday morning for 90, 90 minutes live, um, and there was there was you know no no time to you couldn't you couldn't retake you couldn't reshoot you you just had to go with it. So if you did something, you did something that you're not supposed to. Well, you have to find out about it later, which 
And then there's other cases, not only Joe LaDuke, but I can't tell you what they are, but, you know, being a live show, somebody would say something, should have said it, and uh, said, why you do that? A couple of words may have gotten, uh, four-letter words may have gotten through the, the sensors. <laughs> that, that, that has happened, yes. Yeah. Hey, have you ever messed up, messed up a finish? Uh, I'm sure I, as many as I refereed, I'm sure I have. I just don't have, uh, one's not coming to mind at this point. But uh, I, I will say this, uh, I always told him, if you don't, you know, kick out at the count of three, I'm going to count you out. Well, I've had that happen multiple times because uh, when I go to count and the shoulder's still down, and I would tell them, I said, kick out. And when I'm going to count three and they're still down, I count three. And then if they get mad at me, and some of them did, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'd rather have uh, you mad at me than Jerry Jerry. Exactly. that's what would happen if, if I just stopped my count in the middle and then not count you out, then that's the first thing I'm, Jerry Jerry's going to say to me, why did you stop your count? So, especially, uh, that's, especially that back one. in the kayfabe days. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it happened, but it didn't happen a lot. But uh, I don't know what they were thinking. It didn't kick out. So, but uh, that's your fault for not kicking out. Okay. And now, lots of times, I would try to tap them on the shoulder, lift it up, lift it up, you know. But sometimes I don't know what they're thinking. They wouldn't wouldn't do it at the time. That, that's 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 a great point. Um, I got I got a random thought, and uh, I know we've got a limited amount of time. I know you're a busy man, so we'll be wrapping it, wrapping it up soon. But just want to throw out a, a, a random question here. Tell us tell us about the time you beat up Eric Wayne in a battle royal. I beat up who? Uh, beat you beat up Eric Wayne in a battle royal. You sure that was me? I don't remember that at all. Well, I was talking I was talking to Wolfie D yesterday, and I told him that I was going to have you on. And I said, "You got anything I should I should mention to Wolfie? Or, I mean, excuse me, mention to Jerry or say?" And he's like, "Ask him about the time he beat up Eric Wayne in a battle royal." So that's where that's that's my source on that. That's where I got that from. Hey, sure, are you sure it wasn't Wolfie beat up uh, Eric? No, he said, it was, he said it was you. Maybe, maybe Wolfie's ribbing us here, uh, Jerry. Maybe he's, he's ribbing us here. Well, maybe I, you know, maybe, I, maybe I personally I got ribbed. You know, so. Like, well, I don't know. I'm not saying that. Like I said earlier, you know, I can't remember all the matches, especially if I was involved in some of the matches wrestling. I, some of them I won't remember. So I just don't remember. I might have done it. I just don't remember that one. Well, you get, you get, you get credit for that, Jerry, because that's been one of our <laughs> – our nick our, our niches no you know really knowing our, our our facts and wrestling history and i'm like well jerry calhoun tell me the time you beat up eric wayne in a battle royal you're like what are you talking about man that wasn't me <laughs> just another day in the uh, office if i beat somebody up I, I would think i would remember that one but i'm sorry i don't <laughs> yeah I, I i think i got ribbed <laughs> I, 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 I remember the heart and uh cornet matches you know but uh i don't remember that one Absolutely. Um, well, Jerry, thank you so much for your time this morning. We've enjoyed it. We have looked so forward to this. And this has been our passion project covering, uh, you know, Memphis wrestling and the old Memphis territory. And in my humble opinion and point of view, there is no Memphis wrestling without the legendary great referee Jerry Calhoun. And it's been it's been such an honor to talk to you today and, and get to talk to you, you know, and for you to share share stories and everything. And it's just it's it's been a wonderful experience. And I can't thank you enough, Jerry, for doing this with us. Well, let me say one thing. I, I really appreciate you having me on your show. And another thing is, uh, I had uh, Shane Martin reach out to me to do a uh, figurine of a, as a referee and a figure. I said, uh, "Well, yeah, if you want to do it." And so I guess he's going to do it. So if anybody out there is interested, in, uh, I don't know who, but if you are interested in a Jerry Calhoun referee figure, well, contact Shane Martin on Facebook. Absolutely, and I, I was gonna—I I wasn't gonna let you go without mentioning that because that was—I was gonna surprise—I was gonna surprise the audience and let them know that. I mean, I think it's so cool that actually you've got an action figure coming out. I mean, who? And when I first saw that, I, we got—we've got our studio here. I'm like, man, it'd be cool as hell to get Jerry Calhoun's action figure and have it here because you're probably not gonna just go to everybody's house and they're gonna have a, a Jerry Calhoun action figure. So I think that's something yeah. uh, about time to happen, and I think that's all. Awesome. 
Shane Martin from in Shane's in Sh Insane Shane's World is the one that's producing that, and it's a it's a 1990 Galoob style, such as like the WCW figures were. They were the Galoob was different. If if you if you're into action figures, Galoob was different than the Hasbro style. The Hasbro kind of has the moving parts. They they can they can be broken. They you know th things of that nature. But the 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 Galoob style is is action figure in one piece. You know, it's 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 like like I said, it was it was exact style of those 1990 WCW um, action figures. So again, uh, something very very cool if you're a fan of Memphis wrestling and having a Jerry Calhoun action figure, uh, contact Shane Martin or Insane Shane's World and get you a Jerry Calhoun action figure. I know I can't wait to get mine. And we will add a oh. link to uh, on our on our page is when we post the show. We will add a link so people will, so the fans will know how to to uh, to get a hold of one. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank y'all very much for the uh, advertising. Man, absolutely glad, to, glad to, glad to. Oh, I don't even look at it as, as, as advertising. I mean, that's that's something cool. I mean, that's, I mean, uh, having a Jerry Calhoun action figure, especially with who you are and being a referee, you don't you don't see that every day. And, and for Shane to yeah. pay, you know, uh, you know, uh, homage and tribute, especially to the Memphis territory, and doing something like that is. A okay in my book, and I'll I'll help him promote any any anything he does like that because I just think it's it's it ties into what we do. I mean, we're here to keep the memories alive and, and honor honor the people of the territory. And what better way to honor somebody by having a damn action figure? So I'm I'm cool with that. Well, thank you very much because uh, I was really flattered when Shane contacted me about that. I said, really? So uh, I, I thank y'all for the. Uh, promotion and I appreciate it very much Thank well you. we we try to do our homework and that's that's part of this this factor is having you know if you're willing to give us your time and come on here and spend some time with Willie B and I that we definitely want to you know shed the best possible light on you and take care of you and and it's it's been a wonderful experience and we can't thank you enough Jerry well I can't thank you for having me and I appreciate it thank All you right. have thank a great day have a good one Jerry All right, see you, you later too. bye bye bye, bye.